0: Listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. If you will find your way to Galatians chapter 5, now I feel much better. So Galatians. We've been walking through this book for, I don't know, 15, 16 weeks now, and it's divided into three sections. There's a historical section where he gives us the background, he gives us the facts about what is going on. And then in chapters 3 and 4, he goes into the theological background, meaning what is the meaning? What does all of this mean? What is God saying? Why is he doing this? Well, his last two chapters, five and six, you move from historical to theological to the, well, how does this really apply to us? What is the application of all the things that we've been seeing for the last four chapters? We have to also remember why Paul wrote this letter. Your grandmother, maybe she writes you an email and sends you something. She's got a purpose behind that. Well, this is Paul's purpose for the book of Galatians. It's found in chapter 1, verse Six, and he says, I'm astonished, I'm dumbfounded that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and you are turning to a different gospel. So Paul has been using, we've seen this week after week, he has been using every tool in his tool belt to win the Galatians back to the idea about the truth of the gospel, Because they were in danger. They're in danger of crossing over the line into believing that their works, their good efforts that are needed for salvation and reconciliation with God. And so over and over, Paul has been trying to show them the answer to how is a person reconciled with God? Or maybe in our most modern context, he's trying to answer the question, how is a person saved? Now, the Galatian Christians, they were in danger of believing that your reconciliation between you and God is by believing in Jesus, yes, but also by attending our Jewish ceremonies and eating our Jewish foods and even men being circumcised. Now, we might not be in the dangers of, of those false teachings, but, man, we're no way immune from this. And I've heard things and people will say, well, I'm saved because I walked down an aisle. Or I'm saved because I said some prayer. Or I'm saved because I was baptized. And that is the exact same error. It is saying that salvation is Jesus plus something that you do. So over and over, Paul has been trying to prove to them and to us that salvation is possible through Jesus plus nothing. And so today, Paul wants them to look into the future. He's gone back in the past to Abraham. But now he says, I want you to to look to what's ahead. And he wants them to look down the road they are on. And he wants them to see, wants them to imagine where this road is actually going to lead them. One path we'll see today is going to be marked by nails. And one path by knives. One path is going to lead to freedom, but the other path is slavery. So here's your main idea for today, that true freedom is found in nails, not knives. True freedom is found in nails, not knives. Now, freedom is a, it's a tricky word because freedom, when I, I say that, your mind might be going to a couple of different places. Maybe you think of like political terms like freedom of speech and speech freedom to bear arms, freedom to vote, or maybe personal freedoms. You know, I want to be my own person, kind of living in that world, in our home. You know, you don't want anyone to force their beliefs or their values or their lifestyle on you. You want to be free from that. But I think when we hear the word freedom, here's what we often think. Freedom is me getting to do what I want to do whenever, wherever, however And with whomever I please. I think that's where our minds kind of typically go when we think about freedom. But if that really is the definition of freedom, then following God must become really inconvenient and difficult for us. Because if that's my idea of freedom, if there is a God, then He must have an opinion about what I should do, with whom I should, or or where I should do certain things. And I think when that's our idea, we find it hard to follow the Lord. But what we're going to see is freedom is found in nails and in not knives. Freedom is found in nails and not knives. So Galatians chapter 5 today, we're going to make it through 15 verses today. We'll begin in chapter 5, verse 1. tell you this, two roads, nails and knives. He says, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So in this verse, I see two roads. One road, it talks about a road of freedom. The other road, it's a road that leads to Slavery. But then what is? Then what is freedom? What kind of freedom? What does Paul, what does he have in mind when we think about freedom? Well, I think the Bible defines freedom this way. Freedom is when you have the opportunity. I find that in 1 Peter chapter 2. But you also have the capacity or, or the ability, John 8, and desire, 2 Timothy 1, to do what leads to joy and joy. In life. Meaning, when you don't lack opportunity, when you don't lack the capacity, when you don't lack desire to do what brings joy and life. So, growing up, my mom was a huge Elvis Presley fan. So, I grew up watching the old Elvis movies Blue Hawaii, uh, Viva Las Vegas, uh, Frankie and Johnny. But my favorite one was. Um, Fun in Acapulco. So if you've never seen it, you need to go rent it. You know, PG movie it was great. But he moves to this place in Acapulco, and he, he is a lifeguard. Or he meets he gets fired, falls in love with this lady, and uh, trying to become a lifeguard. Well, that was like the most prestigious thing you could do. And so he takes this guy's girl. Well, this guy becomes, and he realizes, is a professional cliff diver. So what's Elvis going to do? He wants to earn this man's respect, he wants to earn the love of this woman, so he's going to uh, become a cliff diver. And any time I watch a movie, th- that's what I want to do. It doesn't matter what it is. So I, grew up, I wanted to cliff dive. So let me paint freedom in the eyes of Elvis Presley and fun in Acapulco. Because remember, you have to have these elements. There has to be opportunity, has to be capacity, has to be desire to do what leads to life and joy. So let's say I make my way to Acapulco. I get to the airport in Dallas. Planes grounded. There's no other flights into Acapulco. No way I'm going to get to cliff dive. So I have no opportunity. There isn't a cliff around. I have no opportunity to be free. Let's say I get to Mexico. finally get on a plane. I drive out to the cliffs and then it dawns on me. I don't know the first thing about cliff diving. I've seen some movies. I've seen Elvis Presley do it. I mean, how hard can it really be? And then I look up at the cliff and I realize, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I have opportunity. I am there in Acapulco, but I have no capacity. I have no idea how to not kill myself. Well, say I make it to Acapulco. I find a a cliff diving legend. And for three weeks, I'm there and he trains me. So comes the day, man, I have the opportunity. I now have the capacity. I know what to do. He started me on a a small rock and moved the way up, but now I'm at the top of the cliffs. But I look down at those jagged rock edges and the wave crashing, and all of a sudden, I'm just paralyzed. Well, I have opportunity, and I have the capacity, but what I now don't have, I have no desire. The last thing I want to do now is to be up on top of this cliff. say I go to Acapulco. say I learn from the best. My family and friends have gathered to cheer me on, and I'm standing at the top, and I just can't wait now. I have everything I need. I have opportunity. I have capacity. I even now have the desire. I can't wait to feel the wind rushing by as I'm free falling into the ocean floor. But as I'm about to jump, my foot slips, and I I bang off the side of the mountain, and now I'm realizing I'm not out far enough. I'm about to crash into the rocks below me. So here's freedom, man. I have the opportunity. I have the capacity. I even had the desire, but what I'm about to do is not going to lead to joy in life. It's leading to death and destruction. And so you have to have all of these to be truly Free. So in order to be truly free, it's not enough just to have opportunity or capacity or desire to act. The acts you do, they must lead to life and not destruction. So Christ came and he gave his life so that you would not lack the opportunity, the capacity, or the desire to do what will truly bring you joy in life. In fact, you know what he has just said? Christ will, His desire for your life is that you would enjoy freedom. It says that He came for freedom to set you free. But the problem is, we often chase out of a lot of other things. We think we're on a path of freedom when, in fact, we get to some crossroads and we realize, no. And this is only leading to death. You know, I think often of a cousin I had. We were very close growing up. Uh, got uh, hooked on cocaine and um, just completely derailed his life, even to this day. And I'm thinking, well, here's Trav. You know, here he is on this road, and he's got opportunity. He knows where to go. He's got capacity. He knows how to use the drugs. He even has a desire that is controlling him. What he never realizes is, no, you're on this road, and it's only going to lead to death and destruction. That's not true freedom. So Paul then gives us the truth. Christ came so that you could experience freedom. But then he gives the command. Do You see it there in verse 1. Stand firm. This shows us your freedom. You're on this road, but it can be lost. But true freedom is found in nails and not knives. So let me show you what I mean by a road marked with knives. Look at verses 2 through 4 that knives, they're actually going to cut you off from Christ. Verse 2, he says, Look, or pay attention, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated now to keep the entire law. You are severed from Christ. You who would justify, be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. So Paul here is using some very graphic language because of how important this truth is. In context, Paul came and he taught salvation is by grace alone through faith alone. And nothing about what you do. But then come the false teachers and they said, Jesus, yes. But you must also follow our customs, follow our diets, be circumcised. And here Paul says that if you go down that road, if you go down that road, it's so much more than just having a little surgery. What you are actually doing, you are obligating yourself to keep the entire law perfectly. But today he shows it's even worse than that. If you accept that you need to do something, that you need to do something other than Jesus to make you right with God, you are literally rejecting God's all-sufficient plan. And Paul says, if you try to add something to the finished work of Christ, even the smallest thing, it's far worse than you would ever realize. So if we might say, Yes, I'm saved because of Jesus, and you fill in the blank. Then Paul says, Christ then is of no advantage to you. Meaning, if you're trusting in anything, Paul says, including circumcision, then Christ will be of no value or advantage when you meet Jesus, or he returns. Meaning, at that final judgment, you will hear the words, depart from me, For I never knew you if you are adding anything to Jesus. And so the road of knives is a road that says you need Jesus plus your own works to make you right with God. And Paul says that road actually, it doesn't lead you, it actually cuts you off from Christ. But before we move on, I want to make sure we understand the the last four words of verse 4. Anytime you see the words, fallen from grace, those are used to teach that there is no eternal security. So I want to make sure that that we understand this. Because remember, Paul is writing to people, to believers in Galatia. And Paul is not saying that you can lose your salvation. In fact, too much of Scripture contradicts that. We don't earn it by our behavior, and we can't unearn it by it either but this word grace what he is talking about he's not referring to salvation but the means or the road to salvation so i see the picture like this the galatian believers the men they're they're lined up and the knives are being sharpened you know they're getting ready they've heard two messages one of jesus christ and nothing else And the other one is Jesus plus you need to do these things. You need to become a good person. One, salvation is by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. And he says if you accept that, it leads to freedom. But if you don't, if you go down this other road, then you are leaving the road of grace and you are jumping on, you're beginning to walk on the road of the law or a road marked with knives. The road of nails is the nails of Christ. And and if what's happening is you can jump over to the other road that is marked by human effort, and I would call them knives. But Paul wants to remind them that the road marked with the nails of Christ, it leads to true freedom. Because he's going to say freedom is found in nails and not knives. Look at verse 5 and 6. He's going to say this road of nails, it's going to secure your freedom. He says, "For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love." So notice the road that leads to righteousness is not by our good works, but it's through faith by the Spirit. And this faith is then seen by other people through our love. So this is a totally different road. The road marked of knives is a road of counting on your own good deeds, a road of doing things in your own strength, in your own power, a road that actually, what it does, it makes much of you and it makes much of me. But the road marked with nails, notice it's by the Spirit and faith And faith seen through love. So what is Paul talking about? When you're walking on this road, and it says by the Spirit, it means that all the good, all the good that you could ever accomplish, you know is actually done by God's Spirit working through you. So when you get up early, and you have that great prayer time, if you're on the road marked with nails, I mean, road marked with knives. You know what? You're doing it because maybe it makes you feel better. Maybe you do it because you think it earns God's favor. Maybe we do it because we want to look good in people's eyes. But if you're on the road marked with the nails of Christ, you realize that the only reason you even got up, the only reason you knew to pray was God's Spirit leading you and even giving you the words to say. So a life on the road... Marked by nails relies on the Spirit for guidance, strength, and even, even the results. But it's also by faith. It's an active trust in the Lord. In the road marks with knives, you know what? You are trusting in yourselves and your own goodness. And we then, we become our own saviors. But the road marked with the nails of Christ, man, it's that constant walk of fighting to believe in the promises of the Lord. And then he says faith, faith working, and it's seen through love. And Paul has in mind here love and service to others because we'll look at that next week. And Paul says that that road marked with the nails of Christ is known by their love for others. But in the end, they know. If you're on that road, you know all the good you are doing, even loving and serving other people. That it doesn't earn you any more of Christ's love and acceptance. Man, but you're serving, you're loving, you're doing out of pure desire for Christ, not to earn anything from Him because you've realized you've been given more than you could ever imagine. But notice where this road leads. Those living by the Spirit through trusting faith and and not their own works, they can expect righteousness. Meaning that at the final judgment, If you're on that road marked with nails, you get to know you will stand there with a clean and clear conscience. There is absolutely no judgment you have to fear. There is no condemnation that you sit under because you are fully and wholly clothed in the righteous, perfect perfection of Jesus. And what is true of Him, is put into your account as if it's true of you. And Paul says that true freedom It's found in nails, not knives. But remember verse 1, Paul said to stand firm. Now, why would he need to tell us that? If you're on this road and he says stand firm, why would he need to remind you to stand firm? Well, here's what he's going to show us. Some people, they're going to try to cut you off from Christ. Look at verse 7 7, uh, through 12. But you were running well. Man, you were in stride. You had found your groove. But who hindered you? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? They were walking along and they're coming after you, and it's not the one. It's not the one that called you. But a little leaven, man, it just it's gonna destroy the, the whole lump. So here's what happened. They started off great. Man, they were running the race. They're running well on that road marked by the nails. Someone, the Judaizers, these false teachers, they they jumped in front of them to try to cut them off. And I think what happens, what we're about to read is is powerful and it's a little alarming. So don't read ahead yet. But we need to understand that there is no, Paul's going to say there is no middle ground. It's two roads. You choose But you don't get to have one foot on one road and one foot on the other. There is no middle ground when it comes to reconciliation with the Lord. Paul's about to get loud. He's about to use some words that are going to shock us because of what's at stake. And if these men, if they go forward with this surgery, if they go forward with circumcision, you know what they're doing? They're abandoning the gospel. By their actions, they are saying, Jesus, you are absolutely worthless. But I know, I know what we're all thinking. At least I was. I mean, Paul, why are you so upset about this? Is it really that big of a deal? Let them go on if that's what they think they need to do. Is it really a big deal? And Paul says, yes, because to accept circumcision would be to totally reject Jesus. Because if you add anything to Christ, you can't do it without subtracting all of Him. So here we go, verse 10. I have confidence in the Lord. My confidence is in Him. I'm trying to walk by the Spirit, by faith, that you, that you will take no other view. There's only two. There's no middle ground. You're either all in for Jesus, or He is nothing to you. In fact, John Calvin says it this way. Whoever wants to have half Christ loses the whole. So look at the end of verse 10. And the one who is troubling you, they'll bear the penalty. Whoever he is. So I have faith that God will bring justice upon those who are trying to cut you off to knock you off the road marked with nails. But here he goes. Verse 11. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, because some were saying, Paul's teaching that. He says, and why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. But here is one of the most shocking verses in the New Testament. Paul says, I wish, I wish those that, who were unsettling you would emasculate themselves. Now, Paul He's not threatening the Judaizers with violence. He's not out for revenge. And although he is speaking of physical mutilation, I think he's speaking spiritually. Because here's what is helpful. It's helpful to know the common practices of Galatia. When Paul is writing this, the the pagan priest who lived in Galatia, this is who they grew up with. That the priests were made eunuchs at an annual festival. It's a part of what you do. It would have been so normal for them to see this. So perhaps Paul's saying something like this. If If you insist on getting circumcised, you are trying to be saved by a ritual, meaning human deeds. But that is just another form of paganism. You might as well go all the way and become a priest. Because the Judaizers who were making so much of circumcision They're no better than these pagan priests who gave themselves in service to an idolatrous religion. He says, if that's the road you're going to go down, then go all the way. Once again, he's using such graphic language because of what's at stake. In fact, it's their eternal futures are at risk. And Paul wants to make sure they know how serious this matter is. And Paul wants them to see that true freedom is found in nails, not in knives. But Paul knows that that not only is the danger of trusting in knives and not nails, but with the Judaizers who were even coming within the church. And so just let me read verses 13 to 15. He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, on that road. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite, you devour. If you consume one another, watch out that you are not consumed by another. You know, that's what Paul is saying. There are so many distractions, even on the road marked with nails. And one of the greatest times of danger is when we are turning that focus and it is on us. And Paul challenges them to stay on the road that leads to freedom, but be careful. He says, keep focused on Christ and others. Because if you're not careful, you're going to turn those nails into knives. And Paul uses a picture of biting and devouring one another. And that happens when people are focusing only on themselves. So here's what I want you to take away today. There are two roads, and there is absolutely no median. One road is marked by knives, and one that focuses on earning God's approval, trusting in your own deeds to make you right with God. But on that other road, that road marked with the nails of Christ, is focused on faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, period. So the question is, which road? Which road are you on? Or I could ask, what saved you? And if you would say, I walked an aisle, I prayed a prayer, or I was baptized, then hear Paul's words this morning. Christ is of no advantage to you. He says, you're mistaken. And you are trusting in a false salvation. But if you say, no, I'm trusting in Jesus Christ and Him alone alone, for salvation. Well, that doesn't mean that you and I are not in danger of walking on the road marked with knives, or we might say human achievement. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Maybe this can help us frame about, okay, which road, and and I'm walking, I know this road leads to salvation, but man, it's so easy just to get caught up in my daily life, and I realize that I'm on the road marked with knives. Do you believe that what you do Keeps you in favor with God. That's the road of knives. Do you live with the thought that God is always disappointed with you? It's the road marked with knives. Do you feel you deserve something because of all of your hard work and your sacrifice and how much you do? Paul says that's nothing but the road of knives. Do you assume that you have sinned so many times that you've used up all of God's credit of forgiveness? Paul says, beloved, that's the road of knives. You assume you can do something to make God love you more or not do something and make him love you less. Paul says, that's the road of knives. Can you believe that you are blameless in God's eyes? So Paul says, true freedom, it's found in nails and not knives. And only through a true relationship with Jesus Christ can you or I experience true freedom. Only He can give you the opportunity, the capacity, and the desire to do what leads to joy in life. Because true freedom is found in nails and not knives. And the road that's marked with nails is the only road where you can be yourself and that be enough. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.